This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Numbers, 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 numbers. That is where we are uh, in our journey through uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And what's interesting about numbers is numbers is actually more about words. Uh, But most people, when it comes to the Bible, we read the New Testament, we'll read the Gospels, we hear something like numbers, and we say, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're like me. How many of you love math? Math lovers, unite. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of you. For those of you who had your hand up, you probably realized not everyone had their hand up. So when you hear a book like Numbers in the Old Testament, many of you would say, I'll pass. Catch me at the other side. You know, give me the synopsis, that's fine. You may even take the abridged version, but you're not all that interested uh, in digging down too deep uh, into what's happening. So Numbers, though, is more about words because it takes us from Mount Sinai where Moses receives the Ten Commandments, the instruction the Lord gives, and takes us all the way to the plains of Moab. Uh, How many of you have vacationed on the plains of Moab? I know it's not a big, hot vacation spot. So again, you're left going, why should I read Numbers? Because I'm not quite certain what is happening here and why it is that we're diving into this text. Well, Numbers 23 uh, is where we're going to kind of start this morning. So if you want to open up, go into Numbers 23, and I'm going to set the scene for you as you're turning. So in Numbers 23, the king of the Amorites has been... Yeah, he's gone. The king of Bashan is also gone. So as we enter into Numbers 23, we've got two who are defeated, and now we are entering Moab. We're on the plains of Moab, so anyone I guess whose king has some questions or doubts in his mind. Just as a quick reminder, the king of the Amorites is gone, the king of Bashan is gone, and we're entering the plains of Moab. So whose king has questions? Moab. That's right. So it turns out that Balak's got some questions because Balak's saying, well, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Maybe this wandering people who's running around there may be something to them. Uh, And so we find ourselves then uh, in Numbers 23, verse 20 and 21, with the king of Moab, Balak, who's got this idea that he's going to bring a man named Balaam, Balaam of Peor. And as he brings Balaam of Peor, Balaam is actually known as a sorcerer or a, a, a divinator, one who has the ability to offer enchantments and other things so that he can curse people or bless people. Now, some of you are like, well, this sounds this kind of an interesting kind of guy. Well, let's just be reminded of how the Bible generally functions. There are good people, and then there are... Okay, well, I'll be on the same page. You got it, but we're just going to do it well this time. There are good people, and then there are bad people. Okay, so there's power in the Bible as well. There's power that comes from God, and then there's power that comes from, yeah, all right, try that one again. So there's power that comes from God, and there's power that comes from Satan. So we've got Balaam of Peor, who is there, who has the ability to offer these enchantments and others, and the king of Balaam goes, hmm, you know what? If the Amorites couldn't defeat him, and Bashan couldn't defeat him, I'm going to bring in the heavy guns. I'm going to bring in Balaam because he's going to offer because this guy has a proven track record of knocking people off. So I think I have a good army, but I thought the Amorites had a good army, and I thought Bashan had a pretty good one too, and they're no more. So 
He brings in Balaam, and here we are now in Numbers 23, 20 and 21. Here's the response that the great Balaam <laughs> gives to Israel. As Balak is there, this is what Balaam says. Behold, I received a command to bless. Now, you should be scratching your heads at this point because Balaam is uniquely brought in to do what? Curse. That's why he's here. But on the way, as some of you read it, who do we encounter along the way as Balaam's coming? Well, yeah, we'll get to the angel. But who do we meet just before the angel? You're right, it's the angel. His, his donkey. And along the way, you get this really interesting story in Numbers uh, that you've got uh, Balaam, who's obviously had this donkey for a very long time, and he's going forward, and the donkey's just sitting there, and it won't move. It won't budge. It won't budge at all. And then he gets it out. He's going to start whipping the donkey. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and then the donkey turns and looks at Balaam and says, what are you doing? When have I ever led you astray? All your life I have carried you, and now you're going to whip me. Didn't you know there's something in front of you? And at that moment, the Lord opens Balaam's eyes, and he sees the angel of the Lord right there in the path that the donkey had actually saved him uh, from sure destruction. That's how Balaam's story kind of begins. And the Lord then grabs a Balaam and says, you will only speak what I say. You may be getting a paycheck from Balak, but man, you're only speaking what I say. Enter our text again. Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord is their God, is with them. And the shout of a king is among them. Now, if you're going to curse someone and hope that their army can't defeat yours, the paid person you bring in shouldn't say, their God's with them, there's a king among them, and no one's going to stop them. Did you ever take like a receipt back looking for a refund? I guarantee you that on some level, Balak's like, hmm, which if you read numbers, as many of you have throughout the week, what happens? Okay, let's try building another little uh, sanctuary. Let's try that. You kind of reconnect with God again. Just try it again. See if maybe you remember where the paycheck's coming from, and maybe you'll remember. And each and every time, the oracle or the speaking of Balaam is the same. I will not curse this people. Because God has grabbed hold of Balaam. Balaam, who is a what? A foreigner. There's actually a fair amount of debate as to whether or not Balaam believes fully in the God of Israel. Does he believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Guess what? Doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. What's important to us is God grabbed hold of him and used him. Because we will find out later in Numbers, Balaam's end is actually drawing nigh. Uh, he will actually be wiped out later uh, as the people of Israel move forward. Now, verse 22 and 23 tells us, God brings them out of Egypt. This is Balaam still going. He says, God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the thorns of a wild ox. Man, the horns of a wild ox. You guys ever seen a wild ox? They don't roam apex like they used to. I mean, they just, they don't. They may never have, uh, truthfully. For them, there is no enchantment against Jacob. Now, do you remember who Balaam is? He's an enchanter. There's no enchantment. He has nothing to offer. All of his tools and all the things that Balak hired him for, God wiped it out. He's got nothing. There's no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what has God wrought? Meaning, what is it that God brought forth in Jacob? What is it that God brought forth in Israel? What is this great work that God is doing? 
How many of you ever heard that phrase before, what has God wrought? Anyone know its historical significance to modern history? Annie Ellsworth. Anyone know Annie Ellsworth? How many of you remember the head of the patent office? Well, it is Annie Ellsworth, the daughter of the Commission of Patents, who in 1844 suggests to a man, and don't worry, you'll get it in just a moment, a man named Samuel Morse, that the very first message that will be sent via Morse code is, what hath God wrought? Numbers 23, 23. And you wondered where Numbers was important. Is that not interesting? The first thing that's sent is this reminder, what is it that God's doing in Jacob and Israel that no one else can stop them? God is doing this mighty work. God is doing it, and nothing in all the world could stop it. And this, on the eve of this new invention that's supposed to change the world forever and revolutionize communication, how interesting that Annie Ellsworth, the daughter of the Commission of Patents, said, hey, you know what, maybe Numbers 23-23. How many of you have Numbers 23-23 on your mind regularly? And you ever think that biblical literacy is at a low? I mean, just think about that. This is the daughter of the Commission of Patents, and she has on her mind Numbers 23-23 because she understands that the movement of Israel and of Jacob, of God not being stopped, is something that should be told and told again, and it would be appropriate to talk about God's movement on a day where we thought it was about people advancing and their technology. It's rather astounding uh, that that text moves ahead uh, rather than who we are. Now, clearly, as we go into this passage, you see God's hand starting to move the people uh, forward into this promised land. We're starting to see the expectation, but there's this tension. The tension is that there's death in, in the waiting. Because who's gone? King of the Amorites, king of Bashan. And now it looks like Balak's days are going to be numbered uh, as they set there. But we live in a world that's fixated, if we really think about it, fixated on physical life and death. So much of what we do is about trying to preserve life and then to make sure that we remember someone in death. And if we can right now, our biggest thing is, can we stop death? How are we doing? Not so good. Uh, we have made huge advancements in medical science. It is amazing what people are living with. If I think both of my own parents have both had cancer and are survivors for years. It's amazing. I think my brother and I, we even forget it. We forget that that's even there because now it's like, oh, okay. Different times bring different things, but you know what? At some point, what will happen to my parents? They will still die. It's been interesting. I've had that conversation briefly with my son. Uh, Nathan's actually asked. He's like, hey, when, when you're as old as grandma and grandpa, do you think you'll still be alive or will you be dead? <laughs> I'm like, wow, interesting, interesting. See, we're all watching. We're all trying to figure out how the world works. And in numbers, the people of Israel are trying to figure that out. And what we digest, what we take in, influences us. See, influences are real. We live in this world where we want to pretend that influences don't impact us because we are a bastion of perfection and we can hold back any negative influence in our lives and we won't let it get to us. Well, we go from Balaam, and that whole account stretches from about chapter 20 through all the way through about 26, and then as we move towards the end of Numbers, and again, you will then see the fall of Moab, 
Moab will fall. Balak will actually fall on the plains of Moab uh, and Balaam himself, Balaam of Peor, as God used him for his purposes, uh, which again, God will use anyone. But now we get to Numbers 23. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones, destroy all their metal images, and demolish all their high places. He's warning them, as you journey through life, strike out false gods. Strike out things that would pull you from me. Remember, you have one God. But boy, we don't live in a world that's comfortable doing that. We live in 2019. And we're supposed to do what to foreign gods? We're supposed to be okay with that. We're supposed to just realize and, and, and we're supposed to be tolerant of foreign gods. Well, the Word of God speaks a little differently about what tolerance is. Tolerance actually doesn't mean that you have to say that God's right. It just means what? That God can exist <laughs> in the fact so far that God has no power. But that's not what God gives in Numbers. So a 2019 ear hears Numbers 33, and we go, well, these are terrible people. They're supposed to welcome all of these things, and they should allow this to go forward. They should allow this to be what it is, because these are just other people. These are the tribes that were there in Canaan before they got there. Remember, God is writing to them to keep them from following something that is false. Destroy all their figured stones, destroy all their metal images, demolish all their high places. Text goes a little bit further in verse 55 and 56. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, if you don't, it's as if God knew what was going to happen, right? If you don't, i.e., here's what's going to happen to you, if you don't drive them out, then those of them whom you let remain shall be barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. And they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell, and I will do to you as I thought to do to them. God is warning them as clearly as he warns us. Don't let false gods come into your life. How many of you have toured anywhere in the world? Just you've toured somewhere. How many of you have seen great ruins? Interesting thing about ruins uh, and what our pictures of them are. Um, For some people, that fancy drawing that hangs in your house, yeah, just to let you know, it's still a Buddhist temple. And it still is a foreign god that they are worshiping. Get it out of your house. Now, some of you are like, I don't have a Buddhist temple in my house. I know, maybe none of you do. My point is, be cautious what you actually surround yourself with. How many of you have ever been to ruins of Mayans or Aztecs or others or just traveled and seen things? Chichen Itza is beautiful. Guess what? It's a foreign god. They sacrificed children to these gods. It's fine to see. I've gone, I've seen it. It's fascinating. But don't for a minute be like, man, I want to put that picture in my house. Why would you do that? Don't allow these foreign influences into your life. And some of you, well, but that's, you know, this is Old Testament stuff. We're okay. We're not influenced by things. Social media doesn't impact me. No one can influence elections, no one can influence people. I'm too strong. You guys ever been influenced by anything in your life? Man, I'm discovering now my children are at the age where advertisements are getting through. It's scary. I just want five of the pink ones and four of the purple ones, and if I don't, I'll be the worst kid ever. What? 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 You're the same child that you were this morning. No, I'm not. 
I don't have the items. You're like, okay, okay. What about the necklace? The necklace that you wear around the neck. What's on the necklace? Do you know the symbol that you're wearing? Most of you probably do. It's something like, oh, well, it was carried down from my great uncle and something else. Well, that's great. But who is it? Be aware of what you're wearing. The word of the Lord as he brings the people in the numbers is he wants to offer them a blessing. And near the close of numbers, as they lay out these challenges, they are told that they are going to have a way into the promised land. But remember where we've been. Where we started was we had a way to connect with God in Genesis. Remember we talked about the relationships a few weeks ago that are created there. The relationship between God and creation. Between creation and God. Between humanity and the rest of creation and between humanity and God. It was the way for us to connect to God. And then as we went from Genesis, we went to Exodus. The people rebelled and they needed a way out of Egypt. And then we get to Leviticus, and what was last week? Last week was all about a way to reconnect to God in worship. That was Leviticus. How do I worship God? And here in Numbers, it's how do I find my way into God's promised land? Now, I know a few of you have been to the promised land. But the joy of the way God works for us today, following the New Testament epiphanies, that is, revealings, even as we walk through the season, is you don't have to go to, quote, the promised land to receive the promises of God. In Christ, he says, the promised land is coming and has come to you. So as you think of the book of Numbers and you wonder, how is it that all this is going to unfold for us? You are able to say it's unfolding. How? In my life at this moment, because I am numbered. I am in the census that God took when he wrote my name in the book of life. No one can drag your name out. So you may not be a numbers person. (laughs) And maybe you took this last week and said, focused readings for me. I'm not reading all the chapters. Well, I hope that you hear the numbers of that book are God numbered his people. Do you know why we even take a census? Because people matter. That's why we actually take a census. I mean, this is why when teachers go on field trips, what do they do when they start and when they end? One, two, three, four. They count. They want to make sure everyone is there. God counted in the book of Numbers because he wanted to know how many people were there. I know you may not be math people, but guess what? Your God is. He has counted every hair on your head. He has counted every member of your household, whether they behold and hold on to Christ now or whether they at this point are still not there. But it doesn't mean God isn't drawing them back in. My prayer for you as you walk through this week is to hold fast to a God who holds fast to you and has numbered you among the redeemed. In Christ's name, amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, We hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.